Hello, hello, and welcome back to the Fem Genius Podcast. My name is Liz. I am the Fem Genius, and today I'm actually going to be answering another listener question. So if you have questions for me that you'd like for me to answer on the podcast, please get in touch with me. You can email me at thefemgenius at gmail.com, or you can send me a DM on Instagram at thefemgenius, and I would love to chat with you. So the question for today was... How did I get into the tarot? How did I start reading the tarot? And if you've heard me on other podcasts as a guest, you may have heard this story already, but we're going to dive into it here. So this goes back, I'm like, this goes back to 1981 when I was born. But it's so funny because in retrospect, you know, when you try to deconstruct or reverse engineer something like I could talk about the fall of 2018 and I will. But there are usually so many other little markers that we have in our lives that lead us to a point. And so it's hard to kind of look at an origin and and pick a point. But so I've always been interested in the paranormal. I've always been interested in UFOs and ancient civilizations and Ouija boards and tarot cards. But I grew up in a very strict religious family and we were Roman Catholic, and I went to Catholic school, the whole thing. So I was taught also that I should not enjoy these things. I should not believe in these things. I distinctly remember one weekend in high school when I went to this school called Villa Victoria Academy in New Jersey, and some friends and I were talking about going to a palm reader in Princeton, And we went and talked to this nun who was our teacher on a Friday afternoon, Sister Joan. And we asked Sister Joan if it was a sin to go see a palm reader. And she read us the riot act and told us, you know, that only God knows our future and we have free will and we're giving that away to someone else. And so the messaging was just really clear that I should not believe in divination. I should not believe in the occult all these things. So I grew up with that messaging that if I believe in these things, I'm a sinner. So I want to start with that basis, just saying like I was not preconditioned in any way to kind of take this route. And on the contrary, it was really difficult for me to embrace this interest, to embrace this gift, to embrace this path to self-development because I had so much messaging saying like, this is crazy and these people are scammers and they're cheaters and you should not believe in the tarot or palm reading or whatever. So when I was 12, I had all of this babysitting money because back in those days, back in the 90s, if you were a girl above the age of 11, pretty much, you were fair game to be the neighborhood babysitter. And so at 12... Like, as I'm saying it, I'm like, that's pretty young. But at, you know, 12, 13, I would go and babysit my mom's friend's kids or the kids in the neighborhood. And, you know, I was making $5 an hour, which was pretty good. So I had like $20 in my purse and I was downtown in Princeton, New Jersey, which is where we lived. And I went to this secondhand vintage shop that was on Nassau Street. So if you're in that area, you'll you'll know it's on Nassau Street right when it crosses Washington Road. And I went into this vintage shop and I saw this tarot deck. It was a French Art Deco style or Belle Epoque style French tarot deck. 
and it was exactly $20. And I was like, I'm really interested in this. The book was in French, so I didn't understand how to read them, but I loved the pictures. I thought it was so pretty. I was so captivated by it. And this was, you know, pre-internet in the home, so I didn't have a way to like Google what the meanings were, but I was like, I just really feel like I should buy this deck. I'm interested in seeing what happens. So I secretly bought the deck. I took it home. I looked at all the pictures. I thought it was so cool, had no idea what I was doing, how to read them, but I wrapped up the deck in a little scarf and I put it in the back of my underwear drawer thinking this is where I can hide it in my house and no one will find it. And a couple of weeks later, I went in to look at the deck and it was gone. And I found out that my parents regularly did checks in our rooms, in our backpacks, unbeknownst to us. So like it feels even more invasive that we didn't know that our parents were checking our private things. Like I knew to hide things, but I didn't know that they were going through everything. I didn't know that my dad had been going through my backpack and reading, you know, little letters and notes that I'd been passing back and forth with friends. Like that felt so violating. But to know that my parents went into my underwear drawer, took the tarot deck, never told me about it, never told me that they found it. And they ripped up all the cards and threw them away and like took them out of the house. I was devastated. I was like, oh my gosh, this must be really terrible. And I felt really violated that they had found this. So I just, I swore off the hard stuff. I was like, I now can't have, like, I can't have anything nice. Like I can't have these things. So I better just not, you know, have them in the house. I better not buy any tarot cards. And, you know, I grew up and as a teenager, my friends and I, at their houses, we would play with Ouija boards and we would practice levitation. And we thought, you know, that we were communing with the dead and like, God knows what we were allowing in. But, you know, we were just teenage girls experimenting. But I always really did believe that there was another side. I really believed in the other side. I believed in the signs. I read a lot of angel books in high school, you know, people's experiences with encountering entities that they believed were angels, but that, you know, may have come to them as humans. So like, I was still interested in a spiritual world that transcended the religion that I was a part of, or that I was being taught. But I just kind of kept it on the back burner. Like I didn't, I didn't practice anything. So in my adult life, I went to a psychic a couple of times. And that was after my brother died in 2013, I found a psychic in Dubai, who was just amazing. She was a medium and she channeled and I went to her house. I took my mom there when she visited me in Dubai at one point to speak with this lady and connect with my brother. And I got a little bit more interested in, you know, psychic readings and stuff, but I I didn't pursue it at all. Then we moved to Sweden in 2016 and I was waiting for my visa. I was able to come into the country accompanying my minor child and my husband who were both Swedish citizens. And then basically I waited for 22 months for my residence visa to come through, but I didn't have like a social security number here. I couldn't work here. I couldn't take classes here. Um, I just didn't really exist in the system. So I was in this holding pattern that was indefinite. We didn't know how long it would take. 
And so during that time, my daughter could go to preschool every day. And during those five hours, like I was studying Swedish on my own. I was taking walks in the woods. I was listening to podcasts. I was just keeping, I was cleaning my house like a crazy person every day. Um, Our house has never been cleaner than when I didn't work. But it was my first time not having a steady job since I was 16. And, or, you know, not going to school full time since I was 16. So it was just a really hard transition period for me. I was looking for that thing. And what I really noticed was that I was being called more and more into the woods. So I was then spending like two hours a day just wandering through the woods, like just letting myself kind of work through emotions that were coming up, trauma that was coming up. And I started in like the summer of 2018, listening to this podcast and it was oh my gosh, I can't even, I was about to say the name of it and I can't even remember the name, but it, it's no longer on the air now and I haven't been able to find it, but it was this like everyday intuition type podcast led by this guy who had guests on who were talking about the different um, intuitive arts, you know, p- astrologers and card readers and mediums. And I got really into it and he had a program called Automatic Intuition where you could sign up, it was not cheap, but you could basically learn how to tap into your intuition. And he had, you know, different aspects of this training, you know, you could learn um, numerology or divination, um, just different things. And it was a good gateway into learning, but I didn't feel like I had a real grasp on it, or I couldn't really control it. I was doing like channeled readings for friends um, for free just to practice. And those were going really well. But it wasn't until late November of that year in the community connected with this automatic intuition that I met a lady named Jen Reinhardt Blumenthal. And she was hosting her very first beta oracle card reading class that December. So December of 2018. And I signed up for it. And it was you know, a weekly call. And then it was every day pulling cards based on a prompt and sharing your readings and then getting feedback. And I just could not believe how clear the cards spoke through me, to me, with me. I was using a deck called Angels and Ancestors by Kyle Gray. It's still available through Hay House. And that deck at that time just really was exactly what I needed. I loved the imagery. I loved the messages that I was able to pull through with it. Um, I just got exposed to a lot of other readers and the language. And I just felt so filled up by this energy. And so I ended up getting a job and I started working that January, January 2019. And I just kind of gotten ignited by or bitten by this Oracle card bug. And On my way to and from work every day, I had to ride a boat and then a bus to go downtown and then I walked to the office building. And so my commute was around, you know, 45 minutes each way. So I would listen to tarot readers on YouTube on my commute to work and on my commute home from work because I just was so interested in hearing what these readings had to say. And over time, I didn't realize that I had started kind of absorbing this tarot language about the cards and it was one day I was on my way home from work 
and someone pulled a card. I think it was the eight of pentacles because that's the example that I always use. Someone pulled the card eight of pentacles and it just popped in my head like, oh, work looks good or career looks good. And then the person said that and I was like, oh my gosh, have I learned like the language of the tarot through osmosis? This is crazy. And so I decided to go and buy my first tarot deck and I went to the esoteric shop downtown and I went in and I thought I was going to buy this like angel tarot deck. And when I went to pull it out of the cabinet that they had with all of their decks in it, my hand landed on one right behind it. And it was this Starman tarot. Now, you may have heard this story before, but what was really weird about that was that for the couple of weeks leading up to that moment, I had kept hearing the song Starman by David Bowie in my head. And at that time, I had kind of adopted David Bowie as a bit of a spirit guide. And so seeing this Starman tarot, I was like, oh my gosh, this is the one I need. This is the sign. And so I bought that tarot deck and I took it home and I thought it was going to be, you know, just like cool David Bowie imagery. And it was that, but it was also like this total wackadoodle, psychedelic, sacred geometry, like fetal imagery that kind of blew my mind. And it was a little bit scary, but I was also like, you know what, if this is what I'm supposed to learn on, then this is what I'm going to learn on. And I just let myself take my time building up my relationship with that deck and with the tarot. And I started feeling like at one point the messages that were coming through for me through this tarot. So I was an intuitive reader from the get go. Like I did have, you know, an intuitive vocabulary that I had built up and I did have exposure to the tarot before, but I, I didn't read the book. I didn't look up the traditional meanings. I was just purely reading intuitively based on the imagery. The, the meanings and the order of the deck came later as I became more interested in learning, you know, what was behind these messages I was getting through. So I want to also empower you to feel like you can take care of yourself. You can read intuitively. You don't have to know the names or anything like just see what comes up if you start pulling cards look at the cards see what pops in your head so I was using the tarot in that way and it just got to this point where because I was fostering this slow getting to know you relationship that suddenly I felt like the messages that were coming through the tarot felt like this poem or like this love letter, it wasn't my language. It was language coming from some other part of me or outside of me. And it just touched my heart. Like every single reading was so personal and full of love and uplifting. And it really like cut through all the BS to get to the truth of what was going on. And I was just so blown away by it. I was in total awe of this intuitive language that was developing just by using this tool. And so I started giving readings, just free readings to people to practice and connect with their energy. And without fail, like every single reading, people were blown away or they were crying or, you know, there were huge emotional shifts happening for both of us. And I was like, what is this with these cards? But I also felt like this is like the truest tool I've ever used. This is the truest path to knowing what's really going on. What's the energy trying to tell me 
you know, behind the story that my brain is trying to tell me. So like when I hear people saying like, you've got to get out of your head, I'm like, trust me, I do. Like we're getting into the energetics of everything. But part of the energetics is being able to recognize, verbalize, and then stay aware. So I really use and have developed my use of the tarot as a self-development tool, as a self-empowerment tool, where I'm approaching the tarot not seeking answers, not seeking the path, but seeking guidance, seeking clarification. And the the best tarot reading, I think, is when it's confirming something that you already know or putting words to something you've already been feeling or organizing information that maybe you hadn't looked at in a certain way or calling you toward taking aligned action. Like I very rarely want to use the tarot as a predictive tool because we have free will. We can't control everything that's going on. We can't control what other people are deciding to do. But if we can see the energetics, if we can ask for guidance about how we show up, if we can find the truest expression of how our own subconscious and conscious mind are looking to navigate the current situation or or what goals we're trying to set or what it is that's presenting itself as something that we are identifying as a block or as stagnancy and allowing ourselves to move through that or looking for you know those easter eggs in life those signs that tell us like hey kid you're on the right track those ways of really filling ourselves up with the confidence that no matter what's unfolding it's for us or we can use it, or it's an opportunity to either learn, to implement knowledge, to overcome a challenge, to see the world in a different way, to connect with other people in a different way, to send some love to ourselves and others. Like These are the ways that I like to use the tarot. Because in this society, which is so individualistic, that's like, look out for yourself, watch your own back. I like to use this tool to see like how can I show up in a way that's not only serving myself, but also serving the community? How am I supporting myself and those around me? How am I showing up in a way that's calling people into love as opposed to calling us into separation? And so I really look at the tarot and I've developed my relationship with the tarot and I talk to others about using the tarot in a way that's supporting guidance, that's supporting community, that's supporting humanity. We're not here to ascend We're not here to transcend. We're not here to build a hierarchy of who's the most enlightened. We're here to use that light that comes through us for the good of all. We're using this to deepen our relationship with our own inner knowing. We're using it to deepen our relationship with others. We're using it to light a way, to light a way so that way we're not feeling so pulled into the darkness. I decided on a trip to Thailand in early 2020 that I was going to go all in on my tarot practice. And so when the pandemic happened and or started and everyone was going on lockdown, I started working from home with my company and I thought like, oh, I can do both. And it became very clear to me very soon that working for that company just wasn't going to work for me, even if I was working from home. And so I had the privilege of quitting my job. I had, I did belong to a union, which is very common here in Sweden, and a professional union. And I had um, 
salary insurance for the first year. I also had something here in Sweden called Alcasa, which is an unemployment benefits um, that are based on your last paycheck and that amount. So I was, I had a buffer for the first year of my business. So I want to make that very clear. I was in a very privileged position. I was in a two income household. I was in you know, a position where I was doing quote unquote skilled labor. So I did have a higher salary when I quit and I did have a social buffer. So when people are talking about like, just quit your job, don't just quit your job. <laughs> like it is not easy. Being an entrepreneur is very freeing in some ways, but I have never worked harder in my whole life. And so from April 19th, 2020 until the present moment, like I'm talking, it's just, it's a, it's been a lot of work. (laughs) It's been a lot of work, but you know, I started my business reading on YouTube. I thought that's how I was going to really reach a lot of people. Um, that was a lot of work that I wasn't prepared for. Like I became a one woman production studio and that was really hard to keep up with. Um, I was doing readings by donation, uh, I was then take you know taking business courses and though in like coaching containers and that was really toxic so I had to move away from that and I just floundered like I just kept showing up on social media trying all of the things singing and dancing about the tarot doing free readings doing readings by donation trying to build up this business and then you know as luck would have it like through a series of random events, like I started meeting different people who had a bigger audience and who were listening to what I was saying. So I was really kind of falling forward into opportunities. And then I was able to start building up my community, start building up my business, start charging for my services, start holding retreats. And, you know, it's just kept growing. But I also want to be very clear that I in no way feel like I can re-engineer that for anyone else to be like, this is the path for you. This is how you do it. Because I heard so many people on YouTube saying like, just show up and be consistent, just give really good readings and you're going to start building your audience very quickly. And I was putting out high quality, high production value content every single day. And that burned me out fast. I then was doing, you know, readings on social media. And yes, I have almost 4,000 followers on Instagram now, but that has taken so long. And I see all these other readers with, you know, 30,000, 100,000, 300,000 followers on Instagram. And, you know, people along the way have been telling me like, go on TikTok, like you'll go viral on TikTok. And they're just those things where like, I've signed up for TikTok so many times, you know, like I've gone on there and I just know immediately, like, this is not for me, like, this is not the way I'm going to do it. And so I'll just say like, it's been a trial and error. There is this feeling of, oh, you just have to go viral once. You just have to, you know, keep showing up and you'll grow and you'll have all these people, but it's not a guarantee. Like I don't feel like I work any less hard than people who have 30, 50, 70,000 followers. I'm also very committed to being authentic and in integrity. So when, you know, I don't want to come on and do all these gimmicks of like, hey, 
here's like five ways to build your tarot business and become a millionaire. And, you know, here's how to quit your corporate job and start reading tarot like me. Like there are no easy ways. And sometimes it takes off. Sometimes it doesn't. But, you know, and sometimes you don't have a choice for it to take off. It's just an algorithm that's deciding whether your content is good enough or whether your content is valuable enough. And I've really made peace with, I'm not, I don't necessarily think I'm going to become viral. I don't necessarily think I need 30,000 followers or 50,000. Like, would that be great if there was an engaged community that were really getting something and supporting one another on, on those numbers? Absolutely. But I also love that in, you know, my 4,000 person community, that that is what I find is people not being nasty with each other, people really coming and stepping up and being like, hey, you know what, we're all probably wounded in some way. How do we show up for one another? How do we show up for ourselves? How do we use these tools for the good of humanity? As opposed to how do I use this tool to manifest, you know, $100,000 per week for myself, or whatever other number people have in their heads. And I'm not judging that, but I'm just saying like, that's not my jam. Like that's not my game because the fact is that that continues to hold up oppressive capitalistic systems. You cannot manifest that kind of money in this day and age without somebody on the sidelines being exploited. You just you just can't. Capitalism thrives on people who own the means of production or people who have the resources and then people who are showing up and doing work to make the people at the top richer. And so I just like am not a huge fan of go viral and start making all this money because it's exploitative in some way. That's my soapbox again. I'm like, I don't want to get on that. (laughs) I don't want to go down that rabbit hole. But I'm just saying like, Focus less on the numbers, focus less on what it's giving you or how it's expanding your wallet and focus on what's the guidance coming through. Focus on how are we showing up for ourselves by using this tool and let it unfold from there. So that's my kind of origin story with the tarot, the origin story with my business. I hope that this is helpful to you. If you want to learn more about reading the tarot, you can join my Genius Lab membership. That's $10 a month. We have a daily tarot prompt. People have joined in there who have never touched the tarot before, and now they're giving like full-blown intuitive readings. So we would love to have you in there. Um, I'm just sending you so much love and so much expansion. So until next time, stay grounded, stay magical, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye for now.